Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. If you brought your Bibles today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. We're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus uses to talk about persistence in prayer. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one probably on your phone, or you can use the pew in front of you. And so with that said, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time together this morning. And I pray that your word would just go forth, Lord, and multiply itself in the lives of the people here, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Got a question for you. Do you pray enough? Do I pray enough? Well, this is an honest question, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if you could give an honest answer, though, because uh, I believe that everyone prays. Everyone in here at some point or another would pray. They say that there are no atheists in foxholes, meaning that when we're in trouble and in fear of our life, you're going to believe in something and pray to it. Some people pray all the time. Some people, they pray very specifically. I remember when I was a youth, a youth pastor taught us said, when you pray for your future spouse, pray specifically. And so I did. And uh, I got even more than I prayed for. But uh, when, when I told Donna when we were dating and we were getting ready to get married, I told her, I said, look, this is what I prayed for. It was kind of freaky when, when we figured out how, uh, how God answered that. It was pretty neat. So uh, if you're looking for a spouse uh, at some point in your life, especially our younger folks here, start praying now for who that person's going to be. Pray that they have a heart for God and pray. Go ahead and pray what you want them to look like. I'm not saying that it'll happen, but, but you, don't, you don't get it if you don't ask, right? And uh, so always pray for those that, uh, that for your future and then also pray that they have a heart of God and uh, pray that uh, God will definitely be with you through that process. Well, yes, we all pray. Sometimes people pray even specifically, but some pray very generally and some only pray when they're in a bind. But my question is this, of those situations I just mentioned are any of those situations bad ways to pray? Now, I know the real spiritual ones in here say, well, of course, preacher, you're not supposed to only pray when you're in a bad situation. But you know what? If you're in a bad situation, you're going to be praying, right? So my question is, is there such thing as a bad prayer or a bad way to pray? And I would say the answer is yes and no. And uh, Jesus gave... Great instructions, and he went to great lengths to teach us how to pray when he teaches the disciples how to pray after they requested it. They wanted to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. But some might consider themselves good prayers. You may consider yourself a good prayer, and some may consider themselves bad prayers. But the truth of the matter is, prayer is simply talking to God. If you talk to God, even with your eyes open while you're driving down the road, which is preferable if you're driving down the road, even if you're praying in your car, you're praying, you know, I get some of my best best thoughts when I'm taking a shower. Any of y'all like that? I mean, it's almost like if they made post-it notes for the shower, I mean, I, I could get a lot done, right? But the thing is, is that there are times praying can go on. You can have an attitude of prayer 24-7. But the truth of the matter is prayer is talking to God, and God wants you and I to talk to him today and every day. So 
Today in our parable, Jesus is speaking to the subject with the illustration of a friend helping someone. And when we see this, whatever your preconceived notion is that you have about prayer, or any reservations that you have about about prayer, whether it be how long you should pray, or if are you a bad Christian if you don't pray in public, or are you a great Christian because you pray after every meal, which by the way... By the way, is there a right way and a wrong way to do that? Well, we're going to look in just a minute. And and I know how to strike fear in any one of your hearts. If I were just to say, okay, I'm going to call on somebody to pray as we continue to get started. This is what I get. Look, I understand. There, there's, there's, if you are afraid to, to pray in public, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It just means you're shy. I understand that. But believe it or not, when I'm up here, I'm... I'm I've done all of the uh, personality tests and all those things. Y'all wouldn't believe it, but when I test, I test as an introvert. But I am an extrovert because of what God has done in my life. And so you may be meek and mild and sweet today, but I guarantee you if that's something that you strive to do and God calls you to do, he will give you a voice to do it. If you don't believe me, just ask Moses because he was in the same position. But that's another sermon for another time. I'm not going to ask anybody to pray, but I'm going to pray for us, okay? God, again, I know that we've prayed several times, but this morning, just especially, I just pray for distractions to be gone, that, Lord, people would be laser-focused on your word, because prayer is a lifeline for us as believers. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, number one, you need prayer. Whether you know it or not, you need prayer. In Luke 11, verse 1 says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. You see, John the Baptist modeled the need for prayer by the way he lived his life. Notice the disciples referenced John the Baptist and also John the Baptist's disciples as the model for their prayer life. They're asking Jesus, how did John the Baptist and all of his guys do it? How can we be like them? Well, real quick, John the Baptist was extraordinary. If you don't know the whole story, I'm going to give you the the, uh, highlights real quick. Number one, John was a miracle baby. He was born from a mother that was up in years, and even when he was inside his mother's wombs, God filled him With the Holy Spirit. Before he was even born. John the Baptist is the one who made the way and introduced Jesus the Messiah to us. And then also, Jesus himself called John the Baptist in Luke 7.28, the greatest prophet to ever live. That's a pretty awesome guy, right? Well... John stood on God's word even when it cost him his life. John is remembered as being a martyr for being beheaded for his stance against King Herod Antipas. And if you want to read that story later, it's in Mark chapter 6. But in verses 17 through 18 of Mark 6, it says, For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. Don't tell me there were not rednecks in the Bible. We see it right here. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. 
And if you go on and read the story, you won't believe it. But basically, the wife's daughter danced and entertained the king. The king said, I'll give you whatever you want. And so she asked mama, mama, what do you want? Mama said, I want John the Baptist's head. And so the king was now forced, even though he had a lot of respect for John the Baptist, he didn't want to be seen as somebody who was pushed around by his wife, even though he was. And so that's how John was beheaded. John was behe- John the Baptist was beheaded because he took a stand for God's word and told the king that he was living in a wrong lifestyle. The point of this is John the Baptist, as awesome as he was, he was still human, and he depended upon prayer. And then, of course, we got to go to the ultimate example. Jesus himself relied on prayer. For example, he prayed at his baptism. He prayed before he chose the twelve. He prayed when the crowds increased and he was preaching. He prayed before asking the disciples to confess, Who do you say that I am? Asking them, You're talking about what everybody else is saying about me. What do you say about me? He prayed at his transfiguration. He even prayed before his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. So, I got news for you. You're not John the Baptist. I'm not John the Baptist. And you're certainly not Jesus. And I am certainly not Jesus. I don't need any amens. All right? Donna. (laughs) But in all seriousness, if John the Baptist, who was born with the Holy Spirit inside of him, and Jesus, who was God's own son, if both of those men needed prayer for clarity and strength and wisdom and endurance, should you and I not need the very same thing? If they needed it, we surely need it. And the disciples knew they wanted the power that they saw in John the Baptist and his disciples. So, and if Jesus, who was perfect, depended upon prayer, so should we. We see here that there's a few points we can get from that. Number one, prayer is crucial to today's living. You are not going to be able to make it as a believer without prayer. It's easy to see that when you're in a bind or you have a need, but prayer can be actually preventative too. As I mentioned earlier, I am sure, whether you know it or not, those of you that are younger, I am sure your parents and others are praying that God will put the right person in your life. That God would give you the right people to play with. That God would give you the insight to be able to make good and bad choices. That's why they're dragging you here every time the doors are open. It's because they want to put you in an environment to where you can see the gospel modeled in the lives of other people. Now, we're not perfect, but we're doing our best. Beginning the day with prayer and spending time with God prepares you for what is to come that day rather than to be a reaction to what has already happened. Look, I've been there too. There are days when you ever had it, you know, you've got something weighing on you. And you go to bed and you're like, oh, you finally drift to sleep. And then you wake up and then you, you st- your eyes start to focus and you start to realize where you're at. Then all of a sudden, boom, it tackles you. It tackles your spirit. And it reminds you of where you left it last night. 
Don't tell me prayer doesn't change things because that's when you pray the blood of Jesus over whatever that is and you get perspective on whatever that is. You tell it to go back to whatever hole it's crawled out of because you're starting your day with the power. If we would start our day with prayer, we wouldn't be reacting to things, but we would be proactive and ready for when they come. The disciples wanted the power of prayer they saw in Jesus. And here's the great thing. Here's the awesome thing. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he's about to do that. You have access to the very same power. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about this, about the Lord's Prayer, because we spent several weeks on Wednesday night talking about this. Uh, Al Mohler wrote, wrote a book called The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down. I highly recommend you get that if you want to really look at the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to look at some highlights today because our second Point here is that prayer protects you ahead of time and it provides you, provides for you when you need it. Prayer protects you ahead of time and it provides for you when you need it. See, there will be times that you're praying and you don't even know what's ahead, but God does and He prepares your spirit. There are things that I've gone through that I didn't understand at the time while I was going through them until I looked back and I would either look through a spiritual journal or I would remember prayers, I would remember sermons, I would remember things and God would show me, look, all this way I was preparing you for this. My friends, it is crucial that you pray today. Even if you have everything going perfect for your life, if you do, if you are a perfect person and you have everything perfect in your life, please see me after the church and tell me how you do it. Because all of us, if, if we were an airport, we would have a baggage check that was overflowing in the foyer. Because we all bring our baggage when we come to worship and we leave. But unfortunately, too many times we don't pray, we don't give it to God, so we check our baggage and we grab it and we take it out to our cars and go out to the rest of our lives. The second thing that we see is Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer. In Luke verses, chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. And just a disclaimer here before we get to that. The power of the Lord's Prayer is not found in reciting it. The power of God's Prayer is found in believing it. Because everyone who has grown up in a church culture has either said, repeated, or prayed some version of this prayer. I can remember when our high school football team would actually pray this prayer before every game. I imagine you couldn't do that nowadays. But I remember it was so funny because uh, you would always, me being the super Christian I was, I was looking for who was messing it up. <laughs> so I could teach them the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? I want to caution you. This prayer is not a spell for anyone to use to get God to give them their way. If you can memorize or say it flawlessly, it does not matter if you do not believe in Jesus who is teaching it. Also, more important than reading and repeating the words found in the Scripture is seeing the model that Jesus gives as he teaches them. Let's read that. It says in verse 2, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield into temptation. We're going to look at the model of the Lord's Prayer, but let me give you something to chew on while we look at it. 
This prayer was not for Jesus. It was for us. How do we know that? Because he said, deliver us from temptation. Jesus was perfect. He said, I'm, you know, he knows that he doesn't have a problem with sin, but he knows that we will. And it's a big deal. Okay, requirements of the Lord's Prayer. Here we go. If you're taking notes, get your pen out. Start texting your little fingers away. Number one, prayer depends upon a spiritual relationship with God. Prayer depends on a spiritual relationship with God. If you go back and you look at the verses, what does he say? Father, may your name be kept holy. When it says Father, there was a relationship there. We all, in some form or fashion, have or had a father, a family figure. We cannot call God our Father unless we are His sons and daughters. And Romans eight fourteen through 17 speaks to that. But without this relationship, all of these words that Jesus is giving are that, just words. Without this relationship... The bottom line is when we pray, we are talking to God. I said that a couple of times, and maybe you'll get that by the end of this. Prayer is not some long, lavish... I mean, there are books of prayer that you can read and see some very eloquent prayers. But if you want the most powerful prayer, is an honest one. President Lyndon Johnson's press secretary, Bill Moyer, was saying grace at staff lunch one day, and the president shouted, Speak up, Bill. I can't hear a thing. To which Moyers quietly replied, I wasn't talking to you, Mr. President. There you go. He was talking to God. So, prayer depends on a spiritual relationship with God. Number two, prayer. Action accompanies prayer. Action accompanies prayer. Keep God's name holy is what Jesus uses in this passage. We need to honor God's name. We need to depend on God for needs. We need to forgive others. And we need to be running from temptation, not running to it. (laughs) All of these require a decision and action and intentional choices on our part. If for me to eat something I shouldn't is sin, I should probably not go sit in the sweetery. That would not be smart. If someone is struggling with their demons of alcohol, they should not go in a bar and just look and just be around that. We we don't need to put ourselves in those tempting situations. If we if 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 we have a, a bad self-image or we're very self-critical, it's probably best not to be alone with our own thoughts. We need to run from temptation. We need to depend upon God for our needs. And more importantly, this is where it breaks down for a lot of people. Not only do we need to ask for forgiveness, we need to give forgiveness. Pray. You say, I can't forgive that person, God. I know you can't. It's not within you. But Jesus within you can give you the power to do that. To forgive someone does not mean that you're all of a sudden best friends. But it does mean when you think about that situation and you think about that person, the forgiveness says, I've dropped it. And God can deal with them. I no longer hold that against them. And you think, well, that's just not fair. My friend, I'll tell you what, it releases you. And God knows that. That's why he included it 
in this prayer as his son is teaching us. All of these require decisions. It's kind of like when you order that furniture in a box. Or it's Christmas Eve and Santa Claus has to put some of those bicycles together in the wee hours of the morning. You can look at the directions and you can say, Assemble! Not going to do it. Uh, I'm just going to will it to assemble. And it's still going to be laying there in a pile. you got to take up the screws. you got to take up the hammers. you got to take up all these little things, wrenches, and start putting that thing together piece by piece. It takes action. You can hear sermons all day long on prayer. You can read the Lord's Prayer. But the power comes in believing and taking action. And then the third thing is prayer redirects our focus back to God. Prayer is not telling God what you want Him to do and then enjoying it selfishly. God is not a genie. God is not a wishing well. This type of prayer is based on your will and your strength and your understanding. And I can guarantee you this. If you haven't been there, you will be. God's going to put you in situations you don't understand. Why does he do that? Because he wants you to look to him for understanding. True prayer is asking God to do what God wants in your life to bring glory and honor to himself. It's not about you. Prayer is not about you. It's about God. Our prayer is not a honeydew list or an Amazon wish list. Our prayers are seeking His guidance and His will and His desires for our lives. Let me ask you this. Here's a, here's a thought-provoking question, and I want you just to, to simmer on this. Would you rather have what you desire or what God desires for you? Would you rather have what you desire or would you rather have what God desires for you? If you want what God desires for you, if you want something to trump this selfish drive that you have to get what you want for what you want, it's going to take a lot of prayer. Because if you want to know what God wants from you, you're going to have to ask Him. You're going to have to read about it. The fourth thing, praying in line with God's Word becomes our boundaries. Why do you put up a fence? Oh, Lord, here we're going to talk about the wall. I'm not talking about the wall. I'm not talking about immigration. I'm talking about a fence, just a fence. Why do you put up a fence? Well, A, you want to keep what's ever out there from going in here. I was talking to one of my neighbors the other day. We have a chain link fence. And those rabbits, mm. well, did y'all like rabbits too? Okay, I'm going to get some of your boys to come over with uh, BB guns and just keep watch, all right? Because we got plenty of them. Those rabbits, he said, you'll never keep them out with that chain link fence. But why do we put up fences? We put up fences because we want to keep whatever's out there from coming in. And we also want to keep what's in here from getting out. We put up a fence because we didn't want our dog to wander off. We put up our fence because we wanted to establish boundaries. My friend, this is God's fence for your life. It keeps those that want to harm you away and it protects you because He loves you. This is God's fence. 
Separating prayer from God's word places you in danger. And then the fifth thing, prayer reminds us of God's provision for our life. Remember, he says, God, give us this day our daily bread. Even that daily bread is a callback to the Old Testament to where God would give a manna in the wilderness every day. Only enough for what they needed for that day. God provides and also God forgives. Folks, because of God, you don't need to be haunted by your past or feel like you're in a rut or feel like you cannot get out of today or tomorrow because of something. My friend, God forgives you and he chooses to remember it no more as far as the east is to the west. Third thing we see is that prayer takes persistence. Luke 11, verses 5 through 10 Before we read that, let me just ask you, would you stop swimming if you were only two feet away from the service? You know, they say, I've never witnessed it, but they say that that somebody actually, if you're taking a bath and you fall asleep or something, there have been people that have drowned in two feet of water in their bathtub. But let me ask you something. You're swimming. You're swimming and you're swimming. Would you stop two feet away from the surface and just decide to drown? I hope not. I hope you wouldn't. But many do not know the power of prayer because they quit too soon. Why does somebody quit prayer? Maybe because God takes longer than they think, than they think He should. Or they give, God gives him an, them an answer that they don't agree with. Have you ever thought the reason God hasn't answered your prayer? Because it's just not time yet. The purpose of our sermon today is to look at this parable. Verse 5 says, Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened." Jesus is using a teaching mechanism here called going from the lesser to the greater. Jesus is not saying that God is an unruly neighbor. I am sure everybody in here has a grouchy neighbor. Shame on you for thinking of somebody. Because if the preacher in another church says that, they're probably thinking about you. But the thing is, is in Eastern culture, when this time was written, I mean, when this, this passage was written, Jesus was saying this. If you were in Eastern culture, and even if somebody you didn't like came to your house, it was seen as rude if you did not help them. And so basically, you could become an outcast and known as somebody that doesn't help somebody else. So this was a serious offense. And so Jesus is saying, if a grouchy neighbor will show you kindness, how much more, how much greater is God's love 
for you to answer you. So my question, do you pray enough? Is there even such a thing as having enough prayer? As we saw earlier, John the Baptist needed prayer. Jesus needed prayer. So if they needed, certainly you and I do. So what is persistence in prayer? If you want the definition of persistence in prayer, Jesus just gave it to you. Ask. Seek. And knock. Ask. Seek. And knock. Because persistence in prayer means remaining. Some translations say abiding. John 15, 7 says, But if you remain in me, and my words in you, you may ask me for anything you want, and it will be granted. There's a caveat there. Jesus will give you anything you ask for. Oh, dear Jesus, I want a pony. Doesn't happen like that, does it? But I'll tell you what, if you ask God for His will, if you ask for what is put in here, He will give it to you. And He will give it to you in spades. I love our nursery kids. When they first see me, they are reserved and shy. But over the years, as they see me, they grow accustomed to me. And pretty soon, they become my buddies because they know me and they trust me. If you want to trust God more, if you want to spend more time with Him, if you want to increase your prayer life, remain in Him. Abide in Him. Be around Him. Get to know Him. And finally, when you pray... God only gives you what is good for you. Not, not what you want, but what is good for you. Verses 11 through 13. Let's look at what that says. You fathers, if your children ask for fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit who asks Him? Folks, Jesus ends this parable with a reminder of God's love for you. God loves you, therefore you never need to be afraid to ask for the answers that He's going to give you. Just as Jesus reminds us of our Heavenly Father, this serves as a reminder to our earthly fathers and our mentors and our friends. Folks, as we see, God leaves His God leads His family. And so are we supposed to lead our families. God provides for His families. So are we supposed to provide for our families. God protects His family. And many of us, we protect our families, don't we? But also God prays for His family. Imagine what would happen if parents would get on their knees and pray for God and pray for God to work in their household and to make these precious children that God has given them all that God wants them to be. Many of you are here today because a father, a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather, a mentor spent times you may not even have known of on their knees praying for you. And many of you in here are doing the same for your children and your grandchildren, even the children that are not yours by blood. We've got to remember that that is part of being overseers, parents, 
guardians of these children. Praying for families to reach their potential and become all that God intends them to be. That's what our world desperately needs. So I'll ask you, do you pray enough? I'm going to give you the answer. Absolutely not. That's not a slam. That's, that's not a, a, a indictment on your prayer life. But nobody prays enough. We can always pray more. Because prayer is necessary for every believer. Jesus depended on it for his strength. He modeled it to his disciples. So make prayer a priority in your daily life. After today's message from Jesus, I hope you will come to the same conclusion that I did. That I can never have enough prayer. So when praying, do not overthink it. Talk to God. Remain in Him. Trust His answers. And even more importantly, model prayer to others. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And keep knocking. Because if you're struggling in prayer, you may just very well be two feet from the surface. Keep on. Talk to him. Trust him. Get to know him and love him. Some of you say, well, preacher, I've been a Christian longer and you've been alive. Okay, but how is your relationship with God? Is it the same it was 50 years ago? Or do you know him? Is he sweeter? Is he stronger? Prayer helps us to become intimate with God. And Jesus teaches us how to do that. So when you go to your prayer time, if you're struggling with something fresh in your prayer life, look at the Lord's Prayer and maybe use that as a model to guide your prayer. Some of you may not want to talk to God because you have some type of sin or or something between you and Him. And today is a day that Jesus has died for that and He wants you to give it to Him so that He can take it and give you a release from that. That's what his blood has done for you. If you feel like your your phone line or your your uh signal is not getting to God, you can reestablish that connection today. You come forward, I'll pray with you. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, so you can benefit from this prayer, may you come forward. If you want to just pray at the altar or whatever your decision may be, would you stand? as this is our Lord's hymn of invitation.